You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Bet this football season with my bookie. Use promo code Gators and get a free twenty dollar wager with your first deposit. Only at my bookie. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining you here today after the SEC championship game where Alabama defeats Florida 52 to 46. And joining me here to break it all down, Nick Territory from Gator Territory, Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun, Gentlemen, there are no moral victories in, in, in college football, especially for uh, the Gator fan base. But uh, this one's probably about as close as you can get. And, and, and at least from the fans' perspective, you can have more victories all you want. You're a fan. You know, <laughs> you enjoy it that way. You may not want your team to, to maybe necessarily be in that mindset. But Gators played their hot shot last night. Guys, fell just a little bit short. Uh, yeah, there's no moral victories at the University of Florida. Um but listen, I, I wrote it last night and I said it. And the Florida showed last night that they can play uh, and that they belong on the field with Alabama. And, and I don't think any of us said that a week ago. <laughs> um, uh, so they showed that they can compete with Alabama. And if you can compete with Alabama, you can play with anybody um, on any given Saturday. So uh, a lot to hold your head up high about, even though it's not the desired result. Yeah, you know, I think there were a lot of people who, even before the game, said, oh, well, Florida's going to get smashed. This is going to happen. You have three, in my opinion, of the best college football players on the Crimson Tide, and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and, and Mac Jones, and that's before even getting into the defense that has Joby and, you know, Dylan Moses and Christian Harris. I mean, there, there was endless amount of five stars on the field, and yet for Florida to be within a touchdown and have the ball – with a chance to go down there and score. And you, you have to absolutely look at it as a moral victory. I don't think there were many people who thought that it would be that close. I certainly did not. Vegas certainly did not. And if Florida keeps recruiting at the rate that they've been, I think you have to be optimistic. But no moral victories whatsoever, especially when the last two weeks you had so much theoretically to play for with the college football playoff, the SEC championship, back-to-back undefeated records at home which hadn't been done since 2005 uh to see all that fall by the wayside is still a bitter pill to swallow even though last night was still a reminder that this is a really really good college football program and their best football under dan mullen still is probably yet to come the football fan in you that was a darn good game. <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, it was, it was back and, you know, not necessarily back and forth score wise, but back and forth in the, in, in, in the second half, Florida coming back, trading scores with Alabama, Alabama eventually kind of just pulling away there uh, at, at the end. But uh, with a fun, fun, fun football game, Gators made it entertaining at least and uh, did something a lot of people uh, said they couldn't. And uh, look, I, I hit the Alabama score, guys. I had 52 points for them. They hit that right on the head. 
Florida scored one more touchdown uh, than I thought. But I said, if Florida's offense comes out and plays one of their best games, they would be in the game. And that's a, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Um, That when Alabama eventually was just too much, too much. So we'll get into it uh, right here. Uh, We'll kind of just break it down, uh, maybe a little chronologically uh, as we go through it. The game kind of, it really, reviewing the game really sets up. (laughs) This one sets up that way where you can kind of look at it that way. But remember, you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show. On YouTube, a lot of you watching live right now, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're not subscribed yet, it really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. Or if you just want the audio version, check us out on your favorite podcast platform and follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So here we go. And uh, bring Graham back in here. There we go. A little bit dark, Graham. I don't know what happened there, but it's fine. There we go. Um Look, guys, for the first half, self-inflicted, self-inflicted mistakes there in the first half, mainly on third down uh, for, for, for the Gators. And look, first drive of the game, here we go, you know, it's third and 10. Um, but it goes down to third and five on the first drive because it's getting drawn off sides. Uh, second drive of the game, you know, hands to the face by Zach Carter on a third down stop. Game is tied 7-7. Uh, Florida went right down and scored. Uh, Alabama gets the ball. And you know Zach Carter gets a the Gators get the third down stop. They actually stop Alabama right there early in the game, but the hands to the face wipe that away. Drive continues to the trading interception on third down. Another stop on the drive. This time with a turnover. Great rip interception by Dean. Uh, he's running it back. Gets clobbered by Alabama's John Mechie. Looked like a targeting when you look at it in slow motion. Uh, slow down there. Uh, Nick, I know you and I watched that replay last night there uh, in, in the stadium. You know, Dean fumbles on that hit. Alabama recovers, scores on the very next play, 14-7 Bama. Uh, Florida goes field goal after that, uh, after Trask misses a wide open Justin Shorter. Florida settles for a field goal, 14-10 Bama at that point. And Nick, man, you just right there early on, you could just tell, you know, Florida, Florida was there. They were doing the right things. We'll get into a little bit more too, but just from the get-go, they were hurting themselves. Yeah, um, I, I said probably. Listen, I, you're going to need four, five, six stops to to have a chance to beat Alabama. And and like you said, like in the first half, there were three or four times where you got to stop, but it was an interception. And listen, uh, trading got clobbered. Yeah, clobbered. Yeah. I can't fault him for not holding on to the ball there. Um, and you and I, I think during the game, watching it live, didn't think that it was targeting. And then when you watch that slow motion, definitely leading with the helmet, crown the helmet into the jaw. Um, looked like targeting. That's a bang, bang play. Don't know why they didn't even at least look at it. Cause it, I mean, it was even close um, live, but then uh, the illegal hands to the face, 12 men on the field, uh, procedural stuff. It's just like, listen, you don't need to help Alabama beat you. Um, if you're getting stops, don't give Alabama an extra 15 yards because of an illegal hands to the face. Um, so I, I understood why fans were mad. What was it that Alabama had 35 in the first half? I understand why fans were mm-hmm. mad. I'm thinking like that's it could have been it could have been better. Florida might have been tied or had a lead if you don't you know if you don't fumble that ball or if you don't shoot yourself in the foot on those third down stops. You might have actually you might have realized Alabama had a punter on the team and on scholarship. Uh, before the third quarter, 
if not for things you were doing to yourself. Um, and, and it's really just, man, you, you look at just a couple plays, just a handful of plays. Um, and maybe we're talking about a different ball game right now. Maybe we're talking about a different bowl game too. Yeah. And Graham was a go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Just, uh, Started off, you know, there's a couple plays, uh, a couple more plays here. I'll, we'll die, I'll diagram in the first half, man. But, I mean, just early on from the get-go, you could tell the Gators, uh, Gators is just, they were there. They were there ready to play, just hurting themselves a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and aside from just, you know, not helping Alabama, this is something that I've said all along. They don't call holding consistently anymore in college football, it seems. You could pick it up on every single play at, at some aspect but when you have Devonte smith holding downfield and when you have that i thought it was a you know a tackle on that punt return that ends up you know getting them starting position field position to the 30 yard line rather than the 10 yard line when it's little things like that you know that i think is upsetting for definitely florida fans to watch but i think media as well because this is a program that you absolutely can say has been a dynasty over the last decade and they don't need any help whatsoever. And so to see them, I I think not be over scrutinized from an officiating aspect, you would usually think that the teams that are at the very top would be, I I think watched more closely by officiating crews, but that's clearly not the case for a program like Alabama. and, And you see it in a game like this, but on top of that, Florida just kept shooting themselves in the foot more often we had said over and over again well the lack of an established run game that that certainly is going to hurt this team and I I think you could certainly make an argument that it has hurt this team this season and especially hurt them in this game against Alabama and when you go back to the fumbles the you know the, the turnovers that is something that we really have not seen a high frequency of this season and to see it come out on the biggest stage absolutely has to be just upsetting because you're playing a team where there's such a small margin of error and then to make self-inflicted mistakes, it's like you're not even giving yourself a chance to actually go out there and win the game normally because you're doing things that are so out of character. Yeah, and then I'll pick it up third drive there. I mean, third drive of the game, you know, for for, for Bama, Crimson Tide score and a Beautiful Najee Harris spin move, but it was another missed tackle by a Florida defender, just kind of diving at the legs just a bit. And uh, like I said, beautiful move by Harris as well. And um, a lot of credit for him for, for making that play. Uh, 21-10 Alabama at that point. Florida has to punt on its next drive. So then the fourth drive of the game for Alabama, too many men on the field. And, uh, you know, it was a, that was on the third and eight, making it third and three. And I could tell, um, you know, um, I believe it was Slayton, Either like he was really tired or he was hobbled running there to the sideline. Barely was even on the field when the ball was. I think it was Kyrie. Kyrie. Okay, okay. Barely on the field when that happened. Nowhere even near the play. You could have let it go. I mean, I'm not. I know you got to call it. I, I know that, but it was. It didn't affect the play whatsoever. Uh, Tied convert there, then later convert on a fourth down on the drive. End up scoring, making it twenty-eight to ten. Crimson Tide with two twenty-eight left, and then you know the Gators have to score here to make a game of it. Well, they do, and they do so really fast. So here's the one of the big points of contention here in this ball game as we're heading into halftime. So yeah, you know, like I said, Gators have to score to make a game of it. They score fast, four plays, three of them passes from Trash to Tony, sets up first and goal. Clock's running. Florida scores with about 15 seconds left on the play clock. You know, Fl- 
Could Florida have used more time? Yes. Mullen saw a chance to get points. Uh, there, I get both sides of the argument here of needing to score and needing to, to 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 eat more clock here. You know, I jokingly said when it happened that Florida scored too fast, but you you knew the rest were there. Um, I, I'm mostly in the mindset: you score when you can, you score points when you can, and Florida's with its recent struggles. Uh, you know, running the ball. Red zone chances last week versus LSU. Mullen wanted to score. He wanted to put points on the board. Now, and, and the guys, I, I've probably used the term situational football more this year than I ever have. That, that This is part of it. You know, I talked all season about that. This is certainly a place for it. Yes, it would have been beneficial for Florida to, to, to take a little bit longer and, and not give Bama enough time to drive 80 yards like they did 58 seconds to extend the lead 35-17. If Florida gets the you know the, the two for one, then the game may turn out different uh, here. But you know, Bama scoring, regardless, in my opinion, even if Florida runs that first first down play clock down a bit, you know they would have they would have adjusted. Uh, they they would have you know they, <laughs> their chances of scoring anyway after that first play or after that first after after the touchdown would have been high anyway. If Florida would have snapped the ball with five seconds left, so you could say you know they needed to run at least one more. One more play after that, or, or or another play, but Florida Mullen had him where he wanted. He 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 took the points. Yes, you could probably say it was a mistake there. I can see the argument from both sides. It was so crucial in that moment with a chance to close the lead, get the ball right after halftime. It's just one of those things that, uh, of course, you can still say revisionist history, but also a lot of us called it at the same time. You probably scored too fast, but it's hard not to take points when you when you. When Mullen felt comfortable about scoring a touchdown right there. I mean, the red zone issue, obviously you didn't have Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts last week, but the red zone issues last week, um, kicked field, turn, one, turned the ball over on downs on the one, kicked the field goal from the three, and kicked the field goal from the 15. I'm with you, Dave. Like, you can't leave points on the board. Did you leave too much time for Alabama? In hindsight, yes. Even as we're sitting there in the game, you know, we're sitting next to each other in the press box, and I think we're – half joking like up oh, left Alabama too much time um but you you can't you can't worry about hey if we score and there's a minute nine left is that too much or should we uh you know take a knee and then try it on second no you're playing against Alabama you're losing get points get points when you can if that means you get up get up on the line and, and have your quarterback power and Kyle Trask gets in right away so be it that's seven points on the board uh, for us. So I'm with you. Yes. Did you leave Alabama too much time? A hundred percent. You saw him go down the field and score. Um, but you got to get points when you can, especially against uh, a team like that on that stage, you know, uh, in the SEC. Graham was too much made about that. Play. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so because I was right there with you guys thinking that, Oh, a minute and nine seconds left, two timeouts. You left this Alabama offense way too much time. I, I did think at the same time that it was another incident where Florida could have used the running game, you know, even take one more play there, wind down the clock 40 seconds. I think you stop Alabama from scoring. I think they had what 13 seconds left on the clock there. That's a situation that any team trailing by double digits wants to be in, have a chance to score late in the half and get the ball back at the top of the third quarter. And Florida pretty much squandered that opportunity by letting Alabama cancel out their late score and you have to give them a lot of credit for coming out in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Grimes, you know, that amazing touchdown, the 50-yard touchdown, you, you got to give them a whole lot of credit for still coming out of the, of the, the second half and, and answering right back there. But that was such a critical opportunity to, 
get some momentum and go into the third quarter with even more momentum, I think you do, you know, going back to moral victories, you have to commend this team from rallying from a 18 point halftime deficit and, and keeping Alabama scoreless in the third quarter, doing both of those things. They easily could have folded much of us. Many of us said, Hey, this is over. This is already over, especially after Alabama scored that late touchdown in the final minute, but for it not to be over. Yeah. I guess a moral victory, but that is a huge mistake in my mind. And one more note, I mean, whether it was TJ Slayton or Kyrie Campbell coming off the field, either way, it was a defensive tackle. And what position do you have the least amount of depth at this entire season? Obviously one of those guys are going to be gassed. And if it comes to the point where it's costing you yardage and significant, significant, in a significant moment, you're, you have to fix that. And it, it gives credence to everything we said all year long, that this is a position Florida needs to identify. And when that list also is missing Jalen Humphreys, Lamar goods, and the guys behind him are, are, are not ready to play. Florida has a legit issue on their hands that Alabama does not have. Yep. There. So, uh, Graham mentioned you had the Travon Grimes touchdown. This is right after halftime. Florida scores first drive, second half, 35, 24, uh, at, at that point there. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but you can't right after that, you, you start the defense, um, starts playing to start, 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 starts playing their game. And they, they stopped Bama. Uh, the offense was humming at that point. You know, we, they had scored right before halftime. They had scored after ha- uh, scored after halftime. Finally, get a stop, and then when the defense gets their first stop, great Kyrie Elam tackle there uh, on Smith on that uh, drag route there tackles him short. First time the Florida to, uh, makes Alabama uh, not score uh, a touchdown all night long. First time. And Gator offense could have capitalized there, and they don't. Uh, they, they don't. They don't there after the offense had been humming for two two drives before that. Um, so you know they ran Trask on second down there. Is probably expecting to get a little bit of something. Didn't get much at all. And then um, uh, you thought you might get something on third down there because it was four down territory on that second drive right after halftime, but uh, didn't really get enough yards uh, there. So then defense gets another stop on Bama the next drive. Gators go on a 12-play, 80-yard, 4-minute, 58-second drive, uh, taking off the clock, 35-31 at that point. Gators closed the lead. And look, guys, <laughs> it's right there. Florida fans were loud singing We Are the Boys right there between the third and fourth quarter. It was a four-point game at that point. Bama scores this next possession, 42-31 the, the, the score. In uh, the very first play, right after that, another self-inflicted shot here as Trask fumbles at the Florida 10 Bama kicks a field goal. Defense holds him to a field goal there. And look, here we go. I'm going to get, I, I know the defense had a terrible first half. It helped cost Florida the game. They play much better in the second half. Great adjustments there uh, at, at, at halftime. And there, and, uh, Cody, a guy on Twitter, uh, follower on Twitter, Cody at, at Bundero. Uh, I, I hope I'm saying that right. As he points out, he sent this. He goes, Bama scored on five or six possessions in the first half. You know, they had that weird interception fumble drive. Uh, but, you know, they scored. Touchdowns on five or six possessions in the first half, and then two touchdowns on six possessions in the second half. Um, now, look at that. Florida had a 144 to 98 yard edge in the third quarter, ran 20 plays compared to Bama's 13, and outscored Alabama 14 nothing, and probably should have had more. Uh, so uh, the defense did 
help. They did their job of helping get getting Florida back into the game. Couldn't hold up in the fourth quarter, but they did give Florida a chance. Even with all the self-inflicted wounds and, and, and bad play in the first half, you know, the guys didn't give up. They one thing, I, and I'll give them credit for it. They played with effort uh, uh, last night. You know, the tackling may not have been. I, I ain't gonna say it was a lack of effort. Maybe more of a lack of technique, but definitely more of a not, not a lack of effort from the for, from this defense going against one of the best offenses in college football. I'm not excusing the play overall. You know, any better play in the first half, and and Florida may walk away uh, with the victory here in other games this season. But I will give them credit for giving getting Florida back into this game. Yeah, uh, 35 points in the first. But then, I mean, specifically in the second half, yeah, you mentioned the third quarter. Obviously, the third quarter really kind of started to shut things down, figure things out. Florida outscored Alabama 29-17 in the second half. Um, problem was you were, you were down a little more than that. Um, Alabama's offense was kind of like Florida's. They were always going to move the ball. And, and I thought Florida put themselves in position. And I wonder if – Obviously, they heard the talk, whether it was from us. I don't know if they're <laughs> if they're watching our podcast or listening to this, um, but they heard it. They knew that they were – only the people in the building were the ones that thought they had a chance, and maybe that was a rallying point for them. Um, maybe the rumors that we heard that they've been preparing for Alabama for, for a month now um, are, are true. Um, but I, I think you can look. You can say, like you just said a little bit there, Dave, in the first half that Florida's defense cost them the game. But in turn, the first time Florida's defense gets a stop, Florida, Florida's offense can't do anything with it. No, I mean, that's that's an instance. There's so many plays that you can point to in a game, and as the game gets later and later, um, you know, they become more magnified. But there's it's, there's not one thing you can point to of, of why Florida lost that. I, I don't know if, the, if Alabama – if anyone will be, even be competitive with Alabama in the playoff. That, I think that's the best team in the country. And Florida was six points worse than them on Saturday night. Um, so to, to – Say it was the defense's fault or the running game's fault and Florida's too one-dimensional. I look at it and say this is a team that probably shouldn't have been able to play with Alabama. If you look at what Alabama has, how Alabama's recruited, Florida's one-dimensional, Alabama's defense is figuring out, that shouldn't have been a six-point game. So credit to Florida um, for being the only people in the world that, that believed in it and then went out there and proved it. I really don't. And I've, I've been negative on, on the podcast this year at times, but I'm really having a hard time saying anything bad about Florida um, sitting here Sunday night after, la- after watching the game last night. Yeah, absolutely. Perspective is necessary. Um, I understand that people have really high expectations, and, and many people wanted to see an improved offensive line, an improved run game. The defense feel valuable missing pieces like C.J. Henderson and David Reese and John Grenard. And, I mean, the list goes on, but they didn't have a spring to do it. They didn't have the fall. We've gone over it over and over and over again. But the adjustments they made in that third quarter, you have to absolutely give a whole lot of credit to. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But what you just said, I don't think there are many teams in the country who can compete with Alabama. I think it's Alabama and Clemson right now. And – this is the Clemson team that lost to Notre Dame when they were missing several starters. And Alabama is probably better than, than them in my book because you see this Crimson Tide team lose valuable contributors year after year and not miss a beat. Their depth is unparalleled, not just in the SEC, but in the NCAA. And they're the model for, 
for Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart and every other coach out there that wants to become the next Nick Saban. Unfortunately, what you see is that sometimes your best is not going to be good enough against a team like this. If you make mistakes, even if you can get them off the field three straight drives, if you've made prior mistakes, you're you're not going to be able to beat this team more often than not. And that is just something that you've come to expect out of a Nick Saban coach team. I think the most frustrating thing, and I've said this before for Florida fans, is that Dan Mullen has made mistakes before. Absolutely. He has made coaching errors, clock management errors. You saw some on Saturday night. But consistently in Florida's biggest games of the year, in back-to-back years, this one and the LSU game last year, he has coached his best game of the season. And the most frustrating thing is that that has not been good enough. The talent level, the disparity between talent between LSU and Florida and Alabama and Florida is too vast at several positions still and coaching. I think you have to be honest and admit that coaching right now, assistant coaching, Florida is a little bit behind. And those are things that moving forward, you have to get corrected so that you turn those moral victories into actual victories. Guys, we'll get into the uh, late game fiasco here, but, uh, Short episode this week, so got to get into uh, got to got to pay the bills with, with the sponsor here. So uh, only going to do another episode tomorrow. So uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year that can't end soon enough, and we all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get it all there is my bookie. My bookie is the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports, and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code GATERS, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winner, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. So here we go. And yeah, so Graham brought it up, uh, of course, and we got to get into the uh, late game clock, clock management here. Because like I said, we've been going kind of through the game here. Scores 52-38, Alabama and Florida, you know, um, 52-38, Alabama, Florida takes over with 4.59 left in the game. Goes 10 plays, 75 yards, taking two minutes, 52 seconds off the clock. And right after score, Dan Mullen calls a timeout as they weren't ready to run a two-point play um, that he wanted to get right there. Calls a timeout on a dead ball just to draw up a two-point call when at that point it just would have been best to take your lumps, take a penalty, just kick the extra point. You weren't ready. You needed the timeout more than you needed a two-point conversion at that moment. So, you know, going for two right there could have been questioned as well, but I have no issue with that. Uh, he's there trying to win instead of going to overtime uh, eventually if it gets to that point. Uh, but, you know, even even if um, – I don't know. It's, uh, it's such a weird situation here. Uh, but, yeah, going for two could have been questioned uh, there. So, uh, he, he's there trying to win so instead of going to overtime. Uh, it was trying to hurry up. Get the two point conversion, panic, inexplicably waste the timeout. So you that you desperately need late in the game in that late game situation 
Florida gets a two point conversion, but the, the you know the timeout was much more valuable there. It ends up biting Florida as they couldn't yeah. stop, they couldn't stop the clock on you know but uh, uh, but once on Bama's next three plays, leaving nothing but a desperation play uh, at the end of the game. It's just the latest example of a of a self inflicted mistake uh, on the team. You had one to you know a lot to start the game. You had one to end the game as well. All those added up to a six point Bama win. Mullen admitted, Mullen admitted after the game that the timeout was a mistake. Uh, some confusion was there, of course, as I, as I said, just it would have been better off taking the penalty, click the extra point, onside kick it, take your chances after that uh, there. But uh, that would hurt. That, that would hurt. That left, left some of us speechless <laughs> there. And, uh, and, and a lot of uh, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the card, the card will tell you, you know, hey, if you score a touchdown and you're down, you know, if you if you score, I think Florida scored the touchdown, they were they were been down seven if they were to kick the field goal. If you go for two and you make it there, hey, you can win the game. Uh-huh. Um, you know, with a touchdown and an extra point, you're gonna have to score a touchdown anyway. If you miss the two, hey, now we've got two chances to go for two, and like stats say, you'll probably get almost fifty percent of those. So you're you're looking at it and you go. Hey, that's it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go for two. The issue is if you know that as you're driving down the field, you've got, you, you need to have your two point play ready. Not, Oh crap. We scored a uh, timeout. And, and I agree with you, Dave, like, Hey, listen, should you have gone, if that was your mindset and you're going to go for two, have your play ready, you score, we're ready to go. Here's our play call. Send it in. If you get to a point where you're like, all right, we have to call a timeout because this is we're not we're not lined up, we don't like the, the, the look, take the five-yard penalty, let your guy kick it. You still have to score another touchdown. If you want to go for two after you score that touchdown, God bless you, do it. No. Um, but wasting that timeout costs Florida probably another 40 seconds. Yep. Um if if not more. And like I said before, that not one thing loses you a game. But that's a decision that comes down in in the last minute and a half, two minutes of the game. So that's more amplified. But as a a head coach who's been a head coach for more than a decade, that to me is a mistake that a first year uh, or a first time head coach makes late in in his first big game. And this was Mullen's first SEC championship game. Um, But to me, you've been around that long. You can't can't call a timeout in that situation. You've got to have two in your pocket for Alabama's last drive. And credit the defense. The defense got the stop. I mean, mm-hmm. look at Najee Harris and everything that he's done this season. I think he's got like – he's got close to 30 touchdowns. He, he torched, torched you all night. And that, off, and that offense – and that Bama offensive line. And, you know. That's, that's an NFL offensive line. That's yeah. what that is. Um, it, it, that's just an unexcusable mistake for, for a coach in his 12th season. Um, and And – where it's I don't think it's, it hasn't been a talking point, but Dan Mullins 0-10 versus Nick Saban as a head coach, uh, the first head coach to lose 10 games to Nick Saban. Yeah, you know, I the only we, reason, you know, not to argue with you here in any way, Dave, but the only reason we don't fault them too much, even more for that timeout is because Alabama committed pass interference on it. I mean, it could have been you take a timeout and then you throw an interception coming out of a timeout. And luckily, Florida gets another chance, and they run it with Kyle Trask, one of 15 rushing attempts. But that was absolutely epitomized the difference between Nick Saban and everybody else. I can't think of the last time that Nick Saban 
made a clock management error. And like you said, that is something less experienced coaches do. I'm not going to harp on it too much because I know that Dan Mullen's probably beating himself up about it more than anyone else because in the NFL, clock management gets you fired. That You make one clock management mistake and they don't forgive you about it. You get a reputation for being a, a guy who mismanages the clock. And I, I guarantee that of all the mistakes that Dan Mullen thinks he's made with Colin plays this season, that's going to be one of the ones that he thinks about for a long time because they cannot – they can't afford that against a team like Alabama. And it's going to be one that for nine months until you play Alabama again in the regular season next year, you're going to sit there and be like, what if, what if I had that timeout back? And that, that just beats up coaches because as much as you want to blame your personnel sometimes, and you want to blame the things you can't control everything with this year, the things you can't control, that is one of the things you absolutely can control your advanced planning, your decision-making, your ability to, to think ahead and also not be overly confident in the moment to think, Hey, Oh, I just now decided to go for two. Those are the things that separate, like I said, Nick Saban from the rest of his former assistants and the coaches in the sec. And I, I think if you're a Florida fan, the thing that you can hope from Dan Mullen moving forward is that he doesn't repeat that error and, and learns from it and doesn't forget it. Yeah. And, um, Following, following the chat here as best I can here. And I was like, well, you know, Nick, you you said it. It shouldn't have come down to that. That was just one mistake that 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 led to to you know to to that. Yes, there were other things that contributed to the game. And I see people talking about oh, the you know, 52 points on the defense. As I said when I started this podcast, this episode, I expected Alabama to score 52 points. That was kind of expected. I didn't expect Dan Mullen to mess up a time. They came in averaging 49.5 a game. Like everyone at everyone at halftime doing my halftime QA, everyone's like, is Todd Grantham walking to his car? I'm like, what did you think was gonna happen? Alabama has scored on everybody. You've already hated the Florida defense. You thought they were just gonna wake up on Saturday and be like, Alabama who? No, we're gonna we're gonna shut them out. Alabama was gonna score. It was could Florida match Alabama scoring and could you get just enough stops to outscore them? Yep. And, and, and you did, and, you know, you, you lost by six that you, you <laughs> got to, yeah, you got to know you, but it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing the defense. I know that it was just expected. It, it, I'm not excusing what happened out there at all. It was expected. You still had a chance with everything else tied into the, to, to, to everything there. You still, you, you still had a chance, and a lot of the self-inflicted wounds, which a lot of those are on defense. As I said, the, the penalties, the lack of tackling, the diving at ankles to try and make a tackle, or hitting with a shoulder—you know—all those things tied to tied together. I'm not excusing the defense whatsoever. It's just the other things that you expected to be at a high level or not at a high level, mm-hmm. and it helped cost you a game. Here's one thing, and I was thinking of it probably on the drive home in a monsoon. Um, Florida, I think we all thought Florida needed to play a flawless game to beat Alabama. They didn't, and and they only lost by six. You know, uh, I think in, in past years, if Florida, I mean, go back to the last time they played in, in Atlanta, did not play a flawless game and got ran out of the Georgia Dome. Um, I think they blew the building up because of how bad that game was, and they built a whole new stadium. Um Florida's now at the point where even in a game where they didn't play perfect, even even in a blemished game, they hung in there. And, and, and what would have happened if Florida would have played perfect? So I think you're getting to the point in the program where 
you belong with those teams. And, and maybe it's maybe it's too soon. Maybe, you know, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, Darius Tony, all the offensive linemen, Brad Stewart, and all these seniors leave and Florida takes a step back next year. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case right now. But I think what Saturday showed me was that Florida has gotten to a point where they can compete with those teams, um, even when they don't bring their A-plus game. Because going into it, I thought you needed to play perfect to even compete with Alabama. And you might play perfect and still lose. Um, there were blemishes on both sides. And I think it just showed me that, that Florida is getting close to that level where Alabama is. Not yet. Stuff to get on the recruiting trail. You're not out recruiting Nick Saban, but I think you're you're starting to work yourself towards it. Yeah, I'd be more optimistic, maybe as as optimistic as Nick was, if LSU game hadn't happened. Because the last two weeks proved to me that this is a team still that will look ahead past an opponent, take possibly two weeks scouting, and that still not be enough. And in in the process, you got two losses. I, I mean. You rest Kyle Pitts against LSU, and your offensive your offensive passing attack is absolutely far less efficient. And this was a unit that already needed to have every single weapon because they didn't have a run game to really fool what they were trying to do. You go out there, and I, I said it today when I said I think Kyle Trask is still the Heisman winner because, and no discredit to, or, or no disrespect to the rest of Florida's offense, but Florida is not a threat to run the ball. I mean to stop Kyle Trask, look at what Alabama was doing. I mean, dropping seven every single time, and Kyle Trask still put up 400-plus passing yards. That, to me, is incredibly impressive still, and it also magnifies, obviously, the work that Florida still has to do, but you're not seeing a lot of other teams do that against this Alabama defense. I understand that even though Florida lost that game, you have to believe that Nick Saban went into the locker room and said, we're not ready to win a national championship. We just gave up 46 points. This doesn't happen here. And that also is the difference at Florida. You know, I've never seen Nick Saban go out there and vouch for his team if they've had a loss, saying that they're deserving. Even when his team has been undefeated, he says, oh, we have so much more work left to do. I still go back to last week when Dan Mullen said a two-loss SEC champion should deserve to play for the college football playoff. And if he, if those comments hadn't come out, I think I would have been thinking about this more innocently. The LSU loss more innocently is just LSU got you in their Super Bowl. But it really looks to me in retrospect, whatever you want to call it, revisionist history, that Florida put all their eggs into the basket of going out there and beating Alabama. And they would have needed to play a perfect game to do it. And not just from their the guys on the field, but the coaching staff as well. And they couldn't get it done, even with an quote unquote extra week of preparation. I know that it's an eight game SEC schedule. And when Dan Mullen said today that guys are emotionally tired, mentally tired, I'm sure that he's talking about the coaching staff as well. But I said this in recent weeks, Nick Saban was able to sit in his loft and Alabama was able to get it done against Auburn. I don't know if if Nick Saban's presence really meant that much for Alabama beating Florida and Florida as a program is nowhere close to being capable of winning games like that without Dan Mullen. So you have to live with the mistakes. And Saturday kind of proved that in my mind. All right. Let's get into a lot of these tweets here. Uh, many, many people uh, sent a lot. Uh, I'll try to get to some of them tomorrow if I don't get to a lot of them today. I know everybody wants to 
kind of speak their mind on this one here. Jackson Ramers says, uh, we scored 46, 38, and 34 in our three losses. Think about that for a second. <laughs> so scoring enough points, of course, uh, and uh, scored 46, 38, 34 in the losses. In the other year, you're probably winning two out of three of those. So um, the, let's see, at, at Oink Smith, there we go. He says, uh, bad defense, undisciplined mistakes cost a game. Even with the defensive issues, the game could have been won if not for the dumb penalties and clock management. Love their fight and heart, though. So there you go. That one pretty much summarizes that, guys, what we kind of said through here as well. Anthony Gallo says, honestly, couldn't be more proud. Could have easily thrown in the towel after the LSU loss, but showed up, showed we can play with anyone in the country. Obviously not perfect, but couldn't be couldn't be more proud. Coley Townsend says football is a game of inches. And as Mullen has said, the margin for error gets that much smaller if you want to go from good to great. Overall hopeful about the direction we're trending. But those inches we gave up this year have to be neutralized, whatever has to happen. Uh, kind of, guys, kind of how we started here. Uh, Travis at TDKRN88 says, no moral victories. If we want to be champions, those are the games we need to win. In my opinion, Florida loses their bowl game, uh, and next year will be a rebuild. That's the difference between Florida and Alabama. Bama will reload. We will rebuild. I'm not putting much stock in bowl games, guys, this year. Uh, honestly, I'm not. We've already – I mean, I don't put a whole lot of them in anyway. If you're trying to build a program like early on in Mullen's career, it can really help as you kind of get away from that, especially now in, in 2020. Don't get me wrong. You want to go win every game you play, but – we already know Kyle Pitts is not going to play in this one. Probably expect a few more uh, as well. I don't know. At this point, with not winning the SEC, I think they just probably just want to get a game over with. And, Nick, I know you kind of got uh, chastised by Dan Mullen a little bit last night in the post-game preference about <laughs> if Florida was going to play in a bowl game or not. But, uh, you know, it, it, as Travis says here, if Florida loses their bowl game and next year it be a rebuild, I – I'm not going to pin anything on on the bowl game result for 2020. No, Dan is Dan's uh, Dan's tired of my line of questioning the last three weeks. <laughs> um, but but to me, it's it, it's even weird because you you value those bowl games because of the extra 14 practices that you get. Um, and you're not going to get that Florida. Yeah, like hey, if Kyle, let's say let's say it was a normal like Florida plays again in 10 days, <laughs> nine days. You know it's. It, it, you know, when Monday hits, the game will be in nine days. And Dan's given – good for him. Um, I take my hat off to Dan. He's given his players completely off from, like, hitting each other and, and going through practice. They're going to still be on Zoom and stuff. Um, but they're completely off through Christmas, and then they'll get back into it. Um, but you're not getting that – those valuable 14 days. You would tell Kyle Trask, like, hey, man, we know what you can do. Let Emery and let Anthony run with the run with the ones and, and let them get that time to do that kind of stuff. And um, you're not going to get that. It's just so it's just such a weird year. So I get why a bunch of teams are opting out. Um, I would have understood if Florida wanted to opt out. I mean, just not only the physical toll of playing eight straight weeks, playing 10 SEC games, but just the mental toll of like I'm getting something shoved into my nose three times a week while trying to practice and, and go to school and then play games and then read Twitter about how bad I am on defense. And it's just been a long, long year for the, for these guys. And uh, it, it, it's just, it's weird. I'm sure they're going to be really happy and they're going to get in a bunch of nice stuff from the cotton bowl reps and, and from playing in the game and you get to play in Jerry's world. But uh, 
I think that I think that a lot of guys are kind of like mentally and physically worn down from the grind that this season has been. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It, it's been a very exhausting year for this team. I mean, you can see I, me. I, I, would look, have I look, look exhausted. I'm not even getting hit. <laughs> All right, that's nothing out of the ordinary. But this is eight straight weeks of SEC competition, and that's coming off of a a week where you really couldn't resume practicing as normal. I mean, this team is absolutely exhausted and they're doing zoom calls, missing holidays, not seeing their parents, everything that usually gets them through the long grind. That is the, the sec slate. When you get into it, they don't really have all those reprieves this season. So it has been even harder on top of that. And, and then everything you just said, when you're a coach, you look at that bowl game as a chance to really, invest in your development, get, get those 14, 15 practices in there, give guys a chance who really maybe didn't play this season are going to be critical guys for you in spring, a chance to really work with the ones and get some game action coming up. If I'm Dan Mullen, that's totally my focus against Oklahoma. I mean, you have Emory Jones at quarterback coming in here at spring, Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson backing him up. You have, you're going to have a new running back. You're going to have a lot new offensive linemen, uh, you're going to have to replace the entire right side of your offensive line, which I think a lot of people are going to be really excited about. And y- you should start that preparation right now because you're not getting those 14 practices. You're going to need to use the game to put some of that stuff on film. You really shouldn't focus on going out there and beating Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma because I don't know what necessarily they're going to do over there in Lincoln. I mean, in Norman, I, I don't know what they're going to focus on. If, if you watch that that game against Iowa state, I think that Oklahoma is already kind of embracing a youth movement per se. And we all know what Spencer Rattler can do, but this is a chance for Florida to really have a youth versus youth contest and and put some of their younger defensive players in the lineup, especially on the defensive line who are going to be counted on next year, give them some game action. Because the other thing I can say about this year is that I think we've seen less reserves capable of playing this year because of the development, because of everything that we've talked about. And that's really led to, I think, a lot of guys having to be more patient this year because they, they really can't get playing time against those FCS opponents and and the FSUs that you would have liked to play to get guys in there in the second half that, that normally don't play. You don't get many games like that when you're playing 10 SEC games. So I think that Florida will absolutely try and appease some guys who didn't get as much action as they thought they'd get this year put some stuff on film, re-gear towards spring. But this shouldn't be a chance to go out there and be like, oh, well, we, we can score, still score 50 points against a top 10 team and and you're running Kyle Trask 15 times a game. That would make absolutely no sense to me. Uh, I, I hope that does not happen. And I would be surprised if they did anything but embrace kind of the youth movement that's coming up here in spring. All right, here we go. A few more uh, tweets. Uh, Jack Abid says, uh, another step of improvement as frustrating as the season was, this is better than the last and substantially better than the last two SEC championship games we were in. Um, Ryan, uh, Go Gators for Life, says, good game. We played much better than expected. Uh, I think Mullen made some crucial mistakes with clock management and using that timeout. Defense is what it has been all year. Never expected them to do anything different. We need a new voice on that side of the ball. Todd Grantham must go. Go Gators. Robert Guagliardo, uh, feel like we show we can compete with the best, but also the weaknesses of a team. Uh, the weaknesses the team continued to show. 
Big offseason ahead. Knee O-line improved and, of course, defense. Last couple here. Christopher Yane says, this season will be known for a lot of what could have been and what ifs. We aren't far from being an elite program, but again, Mullen will have to make some changes that may be hard for him to make. If he doesn't, I fear this is our ceiling. Florida fans won't put up with it. And David Sertiquist says, Florida took a team when all the experts doubted them, or took it to a team when the experts doubted them. Tried through for 400 yards, something no quarterback has done against Alabama's defense this season. Kept them in this game, even when things didn't go their way. Fumbles were a key factor, but proud of this team. Guys, I think uh, so, so another thing I think we have to speak on right quick, um, talking about being proud uh, of this team. This Florida receiving group, in the last game we'll get to see these guys play together with Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, Trevon Grimes. Kadarius Tony, eight catches, 153 yards, one touchdown, a 51-yard long. Pitts, seven catches, 129 yards, another touchdown. Grimes, four catches, 78 yards, a touchdown there. Big, big plays by these guys. And I mean, not I mean highlight real plays, you know, not just not just the oh ho hum plays. These are you know plays you see on Sports Center. If if they weren't just all Florida, you'd probably see all three of them if it was different teams. But they don't. They probably wouldn't put three Florida plays in the top ten. Uh, there are some big time catches by these guys. Last time we'll see them all play together. But you know, shout out to to Kyle Pitts and then the performance he did and you know, declaring for the draft today. Uh, we're not playing the bowl game. Kadarius Tony, we finally got to speak to him this season. The growth that he made this year, uh, Trevon Grimes, and uh, you know, kind of getting his chance finally with everybody else who was in front of him in years before getting his chance really showed up on the big stage for the Gators this year. It was special watching that, uh, you know, th- those three guys together with Kyle Trask this year. That, that to me is like, I know it's as a fan it's easy to look at the defense and, and then you say like, look, well, if, you, if it was, you know, the 2008 defense, yeah. I mean, I would love to watch the 2008 defense too. Um, and someone asked me yesterday, they were like, is this the worst team you've ever covered? And I'm like, this season has been so much fun. <laughs> like I covered the 2013, I covered the 2013 team. That was not fun. That was like drag yourself to the field every Saturday to do your job. This season has been I knew Florida would be good. I picked them to win the East before, um, but I didn't expect to have like this much fun watching this offense. And and hats off. I mean, we had questions who who who's going to replace Van Jefferson and Freddie and Josh and and just the the passing offense has been so much fun. Kyle Trask's story uh, will never get old. Hopefully, the thirty for thirty on it. They can have a couple of us talking on it because it, it's been. <laughs> It's just been a really fun ride this year, um, and I know like ending this, ending the regular season on two losses isn't fun. But if you can just like step back and just look at the ride in its totality and and and, and what you've experienced this year, I've had an awesome time covering this team. They've been a lot of fun, um, and, and yeah, it's it's been really fun. And and hopefully, um, listen, you gotta make a business decision for yourself. And nothing against Kyle Pitts opting out and if. Trey Grimes or Kyle Trask or Tony or anybody else opts out for the bowl game, no hard feelings, but I hope as many of them uh, stick around for the cotton bowl, just for like selfish reasons to be able to see this offense kind of go at it one more time. Cause, cause they they've been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Anyone who wants those guys to play, I think an emotional connection to seeing them in the orange and blue one last time, because 
everyone who follows Florida, I hear them all the time say these guys deserve to be paid and go make that money. And I think you can absolutely look at Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask is having made a whole lot of money for themselves this year. And we have seen Nick, you absolutely cover the team as well. We've seen Gators who are about to make that money, want to play in that bowl game, get injured and then cost themselves millions of dollars. And it's just not worth it. Unfortunately, it's obviously worth it if you're in the college football playoff or, or, or anything like that, you still have something to play for, but, but Florida has really kind of left it all out on the field. And, and I think they were all saying the same thing. They left it all out on the field on Saturday against Alabama and, and anything that they do moving forward against Oklahoma is not really going to be what you remember Kyle Pitts, Trey Grimes, Tony for it's going to be what you just saw this season. I mean, Kadarius Tony and, and Kyle Pitts are, they've etched themselves into elite company here. They're the one of four pass catching duos in Florida history that has both had 10 touchdowns. The last one was in 2001. I mean, maybe that is some credence to, how poor passing offenses have been really in the past two decades here. But what you saw this season was special. You wouldn't really trade it for the world, even though it didn't end in ultimate glory. I think everyone knows, I mean, there can only be one team out there that doesn't mean that your season was a failure, was all for naught here because Florida continued to take steps. And I got to just say this one last time, because I know that a lot of people are tired of hearing it. So I'm going to obviously take the opportunity to say it again, but (laughs) You have to note, just like with Kyle Trask's story, context matters. You have to note how weird of a year this was. And I know a lot of Florida fans wanted the Gators to take leaps in everything I said, the run game, the offensive line, defensively, without live tackling. It just wasn't really possible. And you saw a team still take massive leaps. Yeah, they were far from perfect, but they took massive leaps without the regular year of conditioning improvement development and that context is incredibly important to remember because everything you guys just said replacing the four senior pass catchers replacing a guy like Felipe Franks with a former two-star guy who had zero offers in a sense didn't start in high school bringing in a guy like Kadarius Tony who and relying on on him so much when really he kind of was a liability in the passing game just because of his unpredictability having him ascend into this role and you know Last thing I'm going to say, Kyle Pitts, last year we talked to him, and Nick, I think you remember this. I went up to him and I asked, how fast did you run a 40-yard dash in the offseason? And he said, 4-6. And we went around to, you know, I'm like, oh, man, that's that's incredible. Went around to Tyree Cleveland, Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain. I mean, they, they love the guy to death. But I was like, hey, Kyle Pitts said he ran a 4-6. And the look on these guys' faces, <laughs> if I just told him, you know, a really good joke, a better one than I'm capable of telling. You would have thought that that was impossible. Everything we've seen in the last 14 months makes me think, man, did people in Florida not know what they had in Gainesville and in and, and Kyle Pitts and maybe even Kadarius Tony and before that, Kyle Trask? So I hope that the context matters here. And you look back and say there were some special guys that walked through this building. And even though it didn't end the way everyone wanted it to, it was absolutely an incredibly priceless, memorable season. All right. Uh, Will Miles and I will get into the- he, run, he runs a 4-6. What's he going to he going? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, the Jaguars like taking Gators. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, hey, they're, they're number one right now with the Jets winning. So, uh, yeah. 
Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is that's got to be upsetting for. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm here in Jacksonville, so of course, uh, it is now Trevor Lawrence City uh, for, for for right now, anyway. So, uh, um, guys, one quick hitter from you, uh, Will, and I would definitely talk more about it uh, there. But uh, it'd be a couple weeks before uh, everybody hears from you guys for 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 the one last. You know, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do for uh, after the bowl game and all that good stuff. But one quick little line hitter of uh, Cotton Bowl, Gators, Oklahoma, December thirtieth, eight p.m. in Dallas. Nick, Graham, quick thoughts. Uh, I'm going back to Jerry's world. And, uh, what was the last time? That was uh, 2017 Michigan? Yeah. In Jerry's world, maybe. Um, yeah, it, it should be fun. It's, I mean, shoot, that's a quick turnaround. Um, one last time to see this Gator team. There, I mean, there's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of guys to replace. So, uh, like Graham said, like I said, uh, enjoy them one more time. We'll see how many guys are you know playing in the game come uh, the 30th. time we had a chance to be like, like hey there's a lot coming back to florida really promising I, I hate to be a downer here with a final note but that is not that's not oh, really so this is kind of like a victory the extra scene in the credits when they roll embrace it on on december 30th i mean it's a last chance to see some legendary gators some guys who were in the record books for a long time, Kyle Trask's passing record, passing yards record will not be broken for a long time and unless Dan Mullen keeps churning them out the way he's been churning them out. You know, but in after that game, when, when the clock strikes midnight, December 31st, Florida is going to have to look and be like, we have to replace more than half of our starters on offense and defense. And that is a tall task. And if you ask me, like I already said, I know I jumped the gun a few times here tonight. I think that you start that process against Oklahoma. You have an offense that should put up 60 points on that Oklahoma defense, regardless of, of whether they play all their starters or not, which I don't think they will. And you should start building up some of those guys, those pass catchers that you are going to count on next year. Jamarcus Weston. I mean, guys that we have heard about for more than a year now and you're really waiting for them to get that turn this is every single game this season we saw Kyle Trask complete passes to eight plus receivers and it's time to start developing those guys Jacob Copeland is going to be counted on a a whole bunch next season he has to make massive improvements and I think he knows it and this is a unit that if they don't want to see any offensive drop off from the one part that you can say really is damn near perfect they are going to have to get a head start on that development against Sooners. Gators, Sooners, Cotton Bowl there's a rematch 2008 national championship game of course that's where everybody will kind of look back at that one there and all the all, all the highlights for the next couple of weeks will uh be coming from uh for, from that game so all right sec championship look back here nick delatory you can find him at gators territory graham hall find him at the gainesville sun i'm the host of gators breakdown david waters you can find me on twitter at gator dave underscore sec got some girls out there thanks for listening to this episode of gators breakdown